G'day everyone, welcome back to another edition of Shed Press. Uh, it's Brandon here today and I'm joined by co-host Jacko. Uh, we're going to be talking today about the NRL season 2020. We're going to start off with, um, you know, we're going to talk about our premiers, we're going to talk about our Dally M predictions and our wooden spooners. How you doing Jacko? Yeah, good mate. Good to be uh, joining the podcast. Yeah, good to have you here. Uh, Jacko and I, we often have plenty of good discussions about the rugby league on our way to it, play touch footy, so uh, we thought, why not record it, and we'll get Jacko in the studio. So, let's start off with the big one. Uh, it's been a big off-season, uh, everyone's ready to, ready to fire, we got the first NRL game tonight in Parramatta. Who you got for your premiers? Talk me through it. Uh, my, premier, well, my premiers and Dally M are sort of linked. Um, I've got Parramatta uh, to win the comp uh, with Mitch Moses, I think. Uh, my Dally M sort of, so he'll go, go Mitch Moses, I'll get in the premiers later. Uh, Mitch Moses, I think he's sort of finding, he's at a time in his career where he's sort of maturing into that, that half that I think everyone's sort of always known he could be. Um, I, was, I, was, what, I was listening to, I can't remember what I was listening to talk about him, but the thing that he's really developed over the off-season is uh, his ability to get himself into the game with his defence. Um, he's, he's, he's sort of the player that he's, you know, he's been... Recently, a player that tries to get his way into the game with his kicking game and his passing game um, and all the good stuff, but his defence has sort of always been a key area where he sort of lacked, but he's, he's really getting his, his chest on chest and he's really starting to get be a bit of, a, bit, a bit of an aggressor um, in the defensive line, which is what you really want in a half, and that's what I think you know, really can make a good half as it is 50% of the game. So Yeah, 100%. And uh, I, get, I think the point you're making there with the defensive efforts... Uh, it's evident, you know, he's been working with Andrew Johns over the off-season. Yeah, yeah. Um, And obviously, I think that's going to play a big part in his season coming up. And I do agree with you on the fact there that he could be a front-runner for the Dalian. Because you've got to look at the fact that if Parramatta are winning games, he's most likely going to be getting the three yeah. points yeah. every week. So that's... Um, who, I like that. Who did you have as your Dalian? My Dalian, I've gone for another halfback. Someone that I think will need to be a standout if this team's going to be performing well, and I think they will be. Um, that's the North Queensland Cowboys, so I'm going to go with Michael Morgan. Michael Morgan is your Dally M. Michael Morgan's going to be my Dally M. Uh, I'm excited about the Cowboys this year. Looking back on their 2017 season when they did uh, make a run at the grand final, just after Jonathan Thurston hurt his shoulder in the Origin game. Yeah, that is right. Um, he, took, he just took control, and it was his team, off the back of Tamalolo, of course, who's going to be... He's going to, I think, score some points as well in the Dally M race, as he does uh, most years. But I'm excited for Michael Morgan. He's going to be able to work with Val Holmes, who, uh, you know, they're married to sisters. Uh, they went to school together in 2017. The last time rugby, uh, Val Holmes has played rugby league was at the Rugby League World Cup, uh, and he had a crazy, crazy tournament coming off the back of Michael like Morgan. He five tries one game, didn't he? Yeah, and Michael Morgan was feeding him. Yeah. Uh, I well, think they're they going to find... Are they married to each other's sisters? No, not to each other's sisters, sorry. So the girls that they're married to are sisters. So they're oh, brother and... They're sure, like brother, that's great. kind of. Yeah, so they're, they're really good friends and they get along well. Uh, and they went to the same school, Ignatius Park in Townsville. Yeah. They've come, come through. I think they're going to form a pretty good... Combination, combination, yeah. yeah. And we saw it in, yeah. in the World Cup. 
I know obviously it's not the same competition that they're versing. Some of those teams, they were blowing out. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good starting point. I think with um, I think with Michael Morgan as well, as he sort of in the past couple of seasons, he's sort of a bit disappointing in the um, aspect of he sort of. The, I think Cowboys are really struggling post. JT era yeah, um, and I think with JT he sort of took a bit of a backward seat because obviously he's with one of the goats of the yeah. game um, I think he sort of took a bit of a backward seat and then that first couple of years because Cowboys for the past you know decade prior to JT, JT retiring they had players that were on contracts to do a job to comfort JT and do a job for JT and it was all these systems put in place for JT and I think that first couple of years outside of JT were going to be hard no matter yeah. what players they signed because everyone was there to make JT, JT, and I think that um, I think now Michael Morgan's gone through those couple of years without it. You know, he played Origin last year, came off the bench. You know, I think all those little things he's doing um, with rep footy and also you know in club footy, I think he's really going to start developing and evolving. And I think this new combination and Val Holmes signing with the Cowboys before the start of the preseason is going to be really handy for him because he's had a whole preseason now to work on. Um, combinations with Val and yep. they, they've done the whole preseason together I don't think Michael Morgan didn't play Australia last year did he? No he didn't, he didn't no. Yeah, so he would have been there early days of preseason mm. same with Val Holmes and they would have been working on it all, all off season all the preseason that sort of stuff and I think it's really, really exciting times for the Cowboys um, I've got them in my 8 actually yeah. um, they, they obviously missed it last year but I've got them in my 8 as they are I think they're going to be... A lot of teams, when they come up against Cowboys, I think they, like, they sometimes worry about Tom Lola too much. And I think if teams are going to do that, I think Michael Morgan and Valheim are going to have some serious success. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and like you said, you know, made the point of life after Jonathan Thurston. This is... The, the Lola's over. So last year was the first year without him. There was injuries throughout their whole forward pack. Uh, Matt Scott moves on this year as well. Cohen Hess is looking fit. And you've got that he's new lost, stadium. He's lost some weight, hasn't he? That yeah, he has. And there's the new stadium in Townsville, which I think is going to be Everyone, huge. Well, you them. look at Para. You look at like Para. I don't think have lost a game at Bank West. You know, yeah, the and they've had a few blowouts as well. They, they've, they've, they've seriously blinded. They've they have four and against it, buddy. Bank West would be ridiculous. Yeah, and I think that'd be the same for Cowboys because they've been earning for that freaking. Yeah, and they've got the J- the JT time. statue out the front. The they fans are going to go wild on Friday night. I'm looking yeah. forward to that matchup. Yeah, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute anyway. Uh, so, did you want to talk about your premiers, Jacko? Yeah, so obviously I just mentioned it before. I've got Parramatta as my premiers as well. Um, it was sort of a catch-22 with my Dalian and my premiers. I thought I think the team that goes to the grand final, will um, one of the teams will hold the Dalian winner, um, as it did last year as well. I think that it's, um, I think it's going to be on the back of Mitch Moses, and I just can't see... I think Parramatta with... you got, well, you got Gutherson, you got Reid Marnie, you got Mitch Moses... You, know, you just they're just you know there's so much strike and then they got Mike Acevo on the wing you know yep. there's just there's strike all around the park Campbell Gillard if he can start firing like he was in that 2018 form where he was playing Origin and he was absolutely belting people I think he um, I think he's going to really be a big contributor as well they got you know Junior Paulo yeah they they got um, what's his name I've forgotten him the lock. Nathan Brown. Nathan Brown, man, he's he is the toughest. You know, he's such an honest player, and players like that really carry and make those good those Mitch Moses and Guthersons look really well. And I just think they're in for a massive year. Yeah, no, I, I um I'm matching you on that one. I think it's going to go one of two ways, and I think they're a team that's going to play off the back of uh, momentum heaps. Yeah. So 
the, the man I was going to say it comes down to is Nathan Brown. He needs to step up. Campbell Gillard's a really, really good signing for them. And they got, they um, got Madison. Yeah. Ryan Madison, first Ryan game for Madison, the club tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, and you know, Dylan Brown's only getting better and better. Yeah. I was listening to the Ice Project um, with Isaac John. They talked about Dylan Brown and what Andrew Johns is sort of um, doing for him and Mitch Moses. And it's sort of, you know, they, they can't speak highly enough of Andrew Johns. And I think Andrew Johns is going to be probably the best thing for Dylan Brown at this point in time. You know, he's mm-hmm. really early, you know, in his career and he can really um, mould his game to the way that Joey's sort of showing him. Yeah. Um, or not to mention as well, I've forgotten a couple of players in that back five. They got Ferguson, Walker Blake, Jennings, Mike Sebo. Yeah. They're such a powerful back five. You're like you talk about your sets getting started. Like when you got Gutherson getting it, and so say Gutherson starts on your twenty, you know Mike Sebo is easily clearing 12, 10, 12 meters yeah. on his first carry. Yeah. Michael Jennings, those fast feet. Walker Blake, he's a big body as well. And you have Blake Ferguson, who in Origin I thought was one of our was one of New South Wales. Um, better players yeah, he in, that, in that game three definitely. he just didn't care what who he was running into yeah. um, if they can get down the field I think like Sean Lane as well he's such a rangy back rower I think that he's going to be a real key um, in the Parramatta success um, purely because I think that I think once people I think he's going to be I think he'll get a few tries this year because I think people are sort of a lot of like uh, teams and oppositions will be watching for the back five. We'll be yeah. watching for the out the back ball, and I think, um, especially when they're trying to double up on like Walker Blake and yeah. uh, Mike Seaver, I think they're going to really be struggling to contain Sean Lane when they're one on one defending him because he's so rangy. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like the point you make there about the back back five. We're going to loop back around to that later on when we talk about the scrums. But I think uh, you might have hit the nail on the head there with one of your points. Um, my premiers. I'm going to go nothing, uh, nothing too risky here. I'm going to go with uh, a three-peat from the Sydney Roosters. Three-peat? Yeah. So, I mean, obvi- for the obvious, obvious things that they're going to be missing is Latrell Mitchell and Cooper Cronk. Uh, I think people, I don't know if they underestimate, but they seem to forget pretty quick what Latrell did on that edge. Yeah. For, across the whole last two seasons, uh, he's scored, you know, he's scored most of their points, even outscoring the Tigers in a complete game last year and he does it regularly he's the goal kicker as well um Cooper Cronk without him he's steering everything around I think Luke Carey is going to be fine yeah he he stood up definitely in that grand final last year they don't win that grand final without Latrell Mitchell right at the back end of that game Joey Leilua had the slightest glimpse of um turning his back on the defense Luke Carey took off popped it to Latrell and he he put uh, Daniel Tupo away down the sideline, who then finished it off with Tedesco, and the rest is history. But uh, I think one thing that's evident for the Roosters is they know how to back up a grand final. Yeah. Uh, they did that last year. And have a look at their team list for round one. They're starting the season without their captain in Boyd Cordner, a co-captain. But I think that just kind of shows the mentality of where they're at. They're worried about and they're, September. And they're not winning it in March. Exactly. Yeah. So, and they're going to win plenty of games. They're going to win plenty of games. Yeah. So they'll, they'll be in the top four, uh, which is what you've got to be if you want to win the premiership. They'll be in the top four. And then when it comes, uh, they'll be ready to drop the hammer. Um, I, 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 the Bruce's are a, a difficult one for me because I think that I think people are underestimating how much um, of an effect Cooper Cronk uh, has on the Roosters and let's not like it's not as if they're replacing Cooper like Kyle Flanagan's a good football don't get me wrong but like they're replacing him with they're replacing a veteran a goat 
Probably immortal. He will be an immortal. You don't yeah. win three back-to-back grand finals. What's he played in? Is it six or seven? Or he, nine. So is it oh, nine no, no, grand no, no, finals he's, he played in? So well, he's got, out he, of his 16 seasons, he's played nine. Played, played nine grand finals. Yeah, so he has a 50, 50% strike rate for grand Holy finals. Smoke. Yeah, so you don't, like, you don't have records like that. Yeah, as a common denominator, you know, he goes mm. like, whatever team you're sort of in, they're doing really, really well. Um, I think that they're replacing with Cole Flanagan, who's still trying to find his feet. Um, I think he was really good at the Sharks. I think that um, I think he's still got a lot to learn, and I think um, Roosters would have been better off would be, would be in a more solid um, sort of situation situation than if they if they lost Kiri than if they lost Kronk. And I think because Kiri's still what's Kiri twenty six. Yeah, around yeah, that. I think that I think Kiri's in the sort of t- stage of his career where he's trying to take, get into that leadership role, but he's still learning it all himself. Yeah. Um, and I think that, he, that Kyle Flanagan, well, as much as it'll be hard to do, because I feel like Kyle Flanagan's the dominant half as well. I think he'll sort of have to take a back seat to Kiri. Yeah. And let Kiri sort of run the show, and whatever Kiri sort of says goes. But if Flanagan sees what he wants, sees something that is on, you know, obviously overcalls it. But I think that you know he's really gonna. I think Roosters, that's going to be their Roosters' downfall. I think it would be the inexperience in their seven. Yeah, well, uh, if you watch the uh, World Club Challenge, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Kerry took the reins and finally and he just did his job, which is all he needs to do. Um, and I do agree with Cooper Cronk being a huge part of their team. You only have to look at how he played that grand final yeah. two years ago with one arm. Uh, and he you know, hardly touched the ball, but he was barking orders and controlling everything like he was playing a game of chess. Yeah. Well, um, so and and then whereas you compare it to last year, he let Kiri do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think Kiri's they they're, they're going to be fine in the halves, and it's going to be a big year for Kyle Flanagan. But if there is a down floor fall, uh, it's definitely going to be you know around that that halves combination. Because the left still, edge, still... I'm not as worried about after the latest news that we've just oh, heard. Josh with... Morris, yeah, yeah. That, that's going to be massive. Because what you do is you like you got Crichton, who will then go. You'd say you'd go back to the bench, or if if uh, Boyd Cordner still stays out, you'd say would he would he take over that Satili? Uh, I can't pronounce. Well, it. Cordner will come in there. Cordner goes straight into that. that yeah, back for Tupanua. And you keep, you surely you keep Mitch Orbison in your back row. Yeah, even and like well, Mitch Mitch Orbison, he's such a, a utility player. They're, they're, they're well, much they've got a wealth but... of back rowers slash centers. The Roosters. Yeah, um, I think, and another thing with that with that uh, Kyle Flanagan, I think Roosters are also because they've always been very rich in their halves. They've always like if you look at like their previous grand finals, so, like they had the uh, we'll go back to twenty ten, which they lost against the Dragons. So twenty ten, they had Mitch Pearce, yeah, who had played Origin at this stage. Mm-hmm. I think he was about a hundred games at this stage as well. You had. Um, you had 2013, which um, Mitchell Pierce was also uh, the halfback, and at this stage he played handful of Origins. wasn't obviously as successful as other Origin halves, yeah. Uh, but he was still that sort of guy and that sort of player. Um, yeah. And then you go into 2017 or 2018, 2019, you got Cooper Cronk. You know, they, yeah, the boys had a wealth of. They also had James arms. Maloney in 2013 as well. Exactly right, you know. So um, it'd be interesting to see how they go. I, I really look forward to watching the Roosters. I think that they're one of my more favourite teams to watch play. You know, yeah. Friday night Roosters game, so be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, well, Luke Kiry, he's gonna be he's gonna be the next. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's playing Origin this year. He probably should have played last year. I, I in, in all honesty, he's more smoky for Origin. I, I, yeah, I, I think that's a no brainer to send in um, Cleary I, and, it, it, and Kiry. Well, the only really thing is, is uh, Jack Whiten. Well, that's a, I, I feel like Newcastle is gonna keep. Jack White in the, in the centres, but I, I, I personally think I'd be I would not be surprised if when the teams come out. Well, this is before the season starts. 
just remind you guys. The um, I would not be surprised if Luke Keary halved um, with Mitch Moses in the halves in New South Wales. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I know uh, Brad Fittler's pretty fond of Mitchell Moses from the things I've heard. Um, he had that experience with him in the Lebanon camp a couple of years ago. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Mitch Moses is set for a big year. Hopefully he can live up to the, the hype everyone's kind of putting on him. Fingers crossed. Well, we'll move on to the next thing down the bottom end of the ladder. We're going to go into the wooden spooners. So, Jacko, if you want to kick us off... <laughs> Um, well, I feel I feel like a like a sad guy, like a hater, because uh, obviously we are from the Gold Coast. But man, I I've got Gold Coast Titans. I can't see. Um, I don't see what they're seeing, and I don't see what they're. Um, when I watch interviews of them and, and all the players uh, through the media, I don't see what they're seeing. Um, I feel like there's. I feel they're in a bit of a tricky spot because a lot of their. I will give them this. They're in a bit of a tricky spot because um, when Garth Brennan took over, he signed a lot of talent. Which, which were goodies, were good buys, and were people of people of the Gold Coast were very excited to see uh, come in and join the club. But they haven't performed. I think the the more notable ones would be you know your Bryce Cartwright, Tyrone Peachy was an Origin player when he yeah. first signed at, at Titans. Now so he's Nathan Peets. You know, they, yeah, Nathan Peets as well. They they just have not dealt with the standard. They've got they've got AJ Brimson at one. Um, I think he's you know one of a talent we're going to be watching for the next uh, 10, 15 years. Um, they do have some promising signs. They got Milwaukee for the Waker as well. They got a lot of rookies um, that I know have been dominating the schoolboys comp. I just don't think that they're in the right. Like they they talk about they need to try and sign a marquee player, but they've just let Jai Arrow go. So I can't get my head around that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, Jai Arrow just locks up your whole middle. You know, he's he's not just making his tackles, he's making people left and right of his tackles, and he can play the 80 minutes at a very high quality. Yeah. Um, as well as Queensland. He's a Queensland player as well, and he's only going to get better. He's, it was his first year at Origin. Yeah. Or was it, was he, he played Origin last year? Um, he, I think he did play the year before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So his second year of Origin, he's only going to get better with experience, man. And honestly, yeah. he's just... He's, he, I cannot believe they let him go. And when he, I feel like when he goes to South, if South keep the same squad they've got now, it is game over. Yeah. Uh, for, like, it's going to be a hard team to beat. He's definitely going to boost their squad heaps. Yeah, and but, but in saying that, you know, with the, with the whole Titan situation, it's, it's you know, as I said, I can't see what they're seeing. Um, I feel like a lot of players, um, I know they've just let go Leilani Light too, who was taking up 600k in the cap. Yeah. Um, and he played mostly Cup at Tweed last year. Um, and the signing of like Tyron Peachy playing the centers, like I don't mind their like their their back five. Um, it's when they get to the six seven. So you got Ash Taylor who, if he performs, you can guarantee Titans are going to give the comp a red hot crap. Um, but in saying that, he he's 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 still yet to be proven. He's still yet to prove himself. We've yeah. seen glimpses of it. We haven't seen a full performance of it. Well, um, interesting you point out the halves there. So Ash Taylor and Tyron Roberts, the last time these two had a full season together, or pre-season and then they, obviously Ash Taylor had his uh, upsets last year but the last time they played together the Titans were in the top eight with them as the halves combination yeah see I, I personally like living on the golf course I'd love to see a pack C bus each week you know yeah. what I mean I'd, I'd love to see a pack C but I'd love to have a team that so I'm a Dragon supporter so I don't get to go to too many games down there but I'd love to get down to see bus you know once a week and have a few beers with the mates on a, on, on a Sunday because Titans seem to get everybody Sunday on the planet and they yeah. play on um, I'd love to get down and watch them but it's just they, they sometimes make it a hard team to get around 
Um, yeah, but then you look at that. You go to their bench. You know, you've got Nathan Peters, 14. I don't know. If you're going to play Mitch Rain at nine, surely you're not bringing Mitch Rain off. You know, Mitch Rain's an 80-minute player. Yeah. You know? you, and you, the people talk about Nathan Peters just going to the lock. Well, you got Joe Arrow. You've got, you got the Queensland lock. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, it, it just... There's just no need for... I think Nathan Peets, I, I give him four to five rounds to perform, and I think um, I think he's a good player. He's got a lot to offer, but I just think he's got four to five rounds to perform before I think um, they'll send him in the cup because you've still got uh, Milwaukee for the Waker and you've got AJ Brimson on the reserves, uh, so as in your, your 18 to 21, yeah. um, still waiting to come into the side. So I think once they get into the side, I think, um, I think there'll be a few positions of certain people that will be, uh, be up for serious question. Yeah, well, um, I I hope the Titans prove you wrong. I mean, uh, I they, they can I only go up from where they finished last yeah. year. Um, and I think the points you've made are, yeah, I mean, obviously they're, they're the team that are probably going to be hanging down there. Hopefully they win more. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I've got, year, I've got a few mates that are in with the Titans as well, and I really do hope they do well. It, it, it's Gold Coast, Gold Coast needs a good sporting team. You know, we've got the AFL as well, which is... is Pretty much a dud. You got the. They've just had a few million dollars put into them, and they're still not performing. Well, I think it's exciting for them as well that they got the first two picks in the draft. But yeah, yeah. Well, the Gold Coast just need a team to get around. Because I remember when when the Titans first came into the competition, um, I can I can still remember as being like an eight, nine, ten year old kid going to their games, and they were going close to selling out the stadium. And I remember the semi final they had where they versed the Broncos. Um, I don't yeah. think they won that game, but I can still remember the the feeling of walking in there and the, how much the Titans community and the, or the Gold Coast community essentially getting around their team because people will go to games if Titans are winning. You know, yeah. that 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 Palladium bar and that those corporate boxes that will be full. They're not full at the moment. They're not raking in like I know it's not all about the it's, money, but they're not raking in the money that they could be making, especially on, on a place like the Gold Coast. Yeah, and it's a matter of time. I mean, the Gold Coast is a bit of a bandwagon city, but we got a great, great rugby league community and a great rugby league crop. And that's evident when you see all the players in the NRL that have come through the Gold Coast system um, that are killing it right now. So hopefully if the Titans can tap into a bit more of that, they might be a chance. But um, I understand you picking them for the wooden spoon there. Yeah, hopefully well, they come up a little bit more. And that's the other thing as well you just touched on. they got the two best buddy school nurseries Probably arguably in Australia, they've got Palm Beach, Grumman, and they've got Kiber Park. You know, we're, we're stretching from the Brisbane all the, from Brisbane all the way down to the Tweed. Yeah, you know, we're really covering every area of the Gold Coast in between. I just, I just think that uh, they're starting to look into their own backyard a little bit more with the signing of um, Toby Sexton uh, from Palm Beach. Now uh, they signed him on a three-year deal, which hope I really do hope he does well. Uh, I think that you know they've just signed Tanner Boyd on a couple of years from the Broncos this season or last season, sorry. So yeah. they are starting to look into their own backyard, but I think we just need to make sure we get them before they end up um, elsewhere. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, we'll get into my wooden spooners. Uh, I'm going to go with the New Zealand Warriors. So my reason for that being, I think their coach is probably also on the way out, and yeah, they've they've been pretty inconsistent. Uh, they copped a lot of injuries through the nines period, and that's probably not a good sign leading into a season. Um, so their depth is going to be tested straight off the bat. Uh, but my wooden spooners are the New Zealand Warriors. I don't like to talk too much about the wooden spooners because, um, you know, I, I like, like to keep the vibes positive. Um, but, yeah, I think the Titans and Warriors are going to have a little bit of a battle down that end of the comp. Um, so we'll see how that plays out well, anyway. It's an interesting one, the Warriors as well. The Warriors, 
I think it's hard, it's sad for New Zealand because I recently just went to New Zealand in January and it's such a cultural country and people really do buy into things over there. And I think if, if like you look at the All Blacks, for example, how, how passionate are kids about the All Blacks? Yeah, they love if, them. If, if Warriors were a successful team, uh, I have no doubt that the... Because uh, I know they're, are they ba- they're based in Auckland. Yeah, they're yeah, based see, out of Auckland. I, I have no doubt that the NRL would look at putting a team in Wellington. Yeah. And, but they're just not showing any signs because I don't think I've ever seen... I think players have gone to every other NRL club and improved a little bit. Every, other, every club has something that players that can attract players to. You know, you've got the Titans with the beautiful lifestyle. You've got Melbourne, you're going to turn to an awesome player. When, yeah. you, when you go to the Warriors, when you sign at the Warriors, what are you signing for? Are you, are you, are you, sign, you know, like the, the lifestyle, not, not too bad. You know, obviously, if you're of um, New Zealand descent, you know, that's not too bad. But it's, what, what are Most, you signing for to go over there? I think mostly the players they're attracting are players that want to go home. So players exactly. that have got NRL contracts when they're younger in Australian teams. And they're coming towards the end of their career and they want to go home. Well, I've seen that um, Ben Murdoch Masilla, he just signed at the Warriors uh, from the Super League. See, he looks like someone who's just done his best, you know, in his little stint in the NRL. He's gone over to the Super League to try his hand there and looks like he's just happy to go set up camp home, you know, happily retire over there. I just, I just, I think that, I don't know what it is. I think it's the, I don't know if if it's a cultural problem, but I think it's something... I think the NRL, like everyone talks about the Titans, I think the NRL needs to really have a, look, a hard look at the Warriors. Because Titans have been around since 07, they've had a couple of successful seasons. So have the Warriors, but I think the Warriors have had more average seasons. And I think, I've got a lot of mates that go for the Warriors, I know they find it uh, pretty hard to try and get around uh, their team, so... Yeah, well, it's, it's the inconsistency of them. Um, the difference between their best and worst is They have such a large. kamikaze as well, because you look at those Anzac Day tests, they often, they have such a good record against Melbourne, who are the best team, who are the best team of the past decade. Yeah. Uh, I think Roosters were the best team of the decade, but Melbourne close second. But I think, um, you look at that, and I just think, where, where's that team that, that beat Melbourne Storm, but then could get dusted by, you know, Titans the next week? It's, it's, yeah. I, I seriously don't get it. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we'll see how they go this year, but yeah, you make some good points there, Jacko. Um, now we're going to move on to something we're looking forward to in the season or something that we want to talk about before the season. Um, so we're going to, uh, brush over the captain's challenge and scrums. So Jacko, if you want to take us away with the captain's challenge. Right. Yeah. So for those who don't know, the captain's challenge is a call that was trialed out in the twenties in 2016 was the last season of the twenties, the NYC competition. Um, yeah, so basically the, the call is you get, one, you get one captain's challenge and you have that captain's challenge until it is an unsuccessful captain's challenge. So you could use that 15 times if you're getting 15 times right. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of it because I think that the NRL contradicts itself a few times. We're trying to get players to stop going up and barking at the ref. And I, what my thing is with the captain's challenge is you lose it, say you lose it in the first five minutes from a call that you, know, you could barely see and you've lost your captain's challenge. Now you're going to be trying to go up. So say that there's 10 minutes to go. It's, it's a big call that could decide the game. Now you're going to try and go up to the ref. You don't have a captain's challenge. You're going to be even more aggressive because you don't have your captain's challenge. I just think it's, we're going up, it's, it's, it's promoting players to go up to the ref and say, hey, you're wrong, buddy. And I, say, I think the second we don't get behind our referees, because um, I, I think the referees do their best. I don't think they ever go out intentionally trying to make bad calls. Yep. I just think that they... I think the more that players are going up and trying to question them and the more that players are calling them out for wrong decisions, I think you know, the worse we're going to be off for a game because literally they're going to, it's going to be used as like a... Like, oh, you were wrong on the last call. You, know, you should just check this one. You should just check this one. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think you make a good point there that 
you know, if you waste it in the first five minutes, then, you know, you don't have it in the back end of the game. That's the whole idea is that we're taking the pressure off the referees. So at the end of the game, when we're looking back on it, we're going to be like, oh, it's Jared Croker's fault for using his captain's challenge early that he couldn't call it for six again in the grand final. Yeah. So that's the whole point of it is that we're trying to give the referees a second chance. What would have happened in the grand final if he used it then? If he used it, then they would have slowed it down and had a bit of a look and then they make their decision based off that. But if he'd already used it, so be it. He's used it and then we move on and we're talking about Jared Croker using his captain's challenge Mm -hmm. before the fact. Well, I just think I just think we have players going up and abusing refs, and I just think that the NRL act like they're trying to protect the referees and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. I just don't think this is the right right way to be uh, promoting uh, looking after our refs in the sense that basically whenever whenever there's a call, you can just go up and obviously yeah, you, once well, you lose it, it's gone. But it's it's I just think it's a um, it can be a bit of a tough one. I just think that I hope it doesn't get. I, I honestly, in all honesty, I hope it works. I hope any call, any decision or rule they bring in works. Um, but I, I just don't think this is going to be... This is promoting what we're trying to promote. Yeah, well, I, I'm actually on the opposite end of it. So from, the, from what I've seen of it so far, um, in the Charity Shield match the other day against the Dragons and Rabbitohs, uh, I was sitting there and Luttrell goes up to catch a ball and it looks like, you know, they said that he didn't touch it, but I thought he touched it. And I said, oh, I said to the TV, you know, oh, what's going on there? And then they used their captain's challenge and the call was overturned. So they use it successfully, and yeah. I thought that's that's exactly what this is for, yeah. for those little mistakes that the ref m- might not have seen or might have seen incorrectly. Yeah. Um, so my first uh, dose of it, I'm happy with what I've seen. So because it, once it was after once they moved on from that, uh, Dragons used theirs and they weren't successful with it, we and then it. there wasn't like it wasn't like they were trying to have a dig at the ref for other things. It was like they took responsibility for all right. I've used my challenge. Yeah. Um, that's it. And then obviously, you know, it's, it's not like you can't still talk to the ref or that you're not going to be, yeah. um, you know, arguing with the ref or debating with the ref because debating with the referee, that's your job as a captain or, or standing up for your team if you think something's gone wrong. Yeah. Especially on the field. Um, but I think yeah, we'll, I, I, we'll, I, I, we'll I, know after the first five rounds yeah. or even the first round, there might be some... It's the NRL. I'm sure there's going to be something that's going to something be like, will wow. Happen okay, yeah, we haven't even started the comp. We've already got the scandal with the bloody dogs and not having bloody sponsors. And yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Well, um, now we'll move on to the other rule change with the scrums. Yeah, what's your thoughts on it? So the scrums, I mean, I like it. They, it's, I, it is a little bit gimmicky. The first time I read it, I was like, what? What's the point of this? Uh, I guess the idea is that they're trying to make it a bit more exciting, the scrum itself, because it is pretty It's like, you know, yeah. you just run in and you pack the scrum and it feed it and that's it. Uh, basically, well, they went really, really loose on, on the 30-second rule, didn't they? Like, yeah. Like you often hear that in the background of games and, and it's like, you know, they haven't fed the ball. Whose penalty is it? Yeah, the shot clock, 100%. Yeah. So I think this is going to make it interesting. Uh, now, I think they're given 10 seconds, the captain is given 10 seconds to make a call or the team on whether or not they want to feed the scrum at... The train, the, line. the train line on the left, the middle, or the right. Um, and then, obviously, you know, if, if they're in the middle, they can choose to go either way, uh, left and right, as it is. So I think we're going to see a lot more creativity. Well, so they, could, they could feed the ball on the other side of the field. Yeah, they can go wherever they want. Oh, true. So any point of those three points. Any I of those they could do it. I thought they had to be on the, on the side that the ball went out or the middle. Yeah, no. So they can go where, where they want. Oh, um, true. And I think you're going to see a lot of creativity with the coaches. 
Um, and looping back to earlier when you were talking about that Parramatta back five, we're going to see a lot of our centres and wingers, it's going to be their time to shine. Um, you know, if, especially if you're taking a scrum in the middle, uh, let's use Parramatta as an, as an example. You've got Jennings and, and Fergo on one side with Mike Sivo and Walker yeah. Blake on the other. And then you've got Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses uh, and probably Reid Marnie sitting in the lock position and they'll be deciding yeah, which way they're going to go. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty exciting to see how teams take advantage of that in in the early rounds. Yeah. Um, and defending it is going to be a whole other thing as well. Oh, you're just pulling your hair out if you get a one-on-one with like a uh, Joey Manu, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, feed Luttrell. Feed Luttrell the ball. Well, that's the thing as well. Like, you got like... So I'm a fan of it as well. I think that it's... It's going to make it interesting because I'll tell you what's going to be the... I, I think it is the hardest position on the field of defender is, is in the centres. Um, but it's going to put a massive emphasis on your centre positioning because it's sort of like how are we going to try and defend this are we going to try and because if you come up against Joe Manu who's ridiculously quick over 10 metres he's getting an early ball are you going to try and start on his inside and try and push him to the sideline you know and yeah. you try and work with your winger are you going to try and you know stay up and come in you know, what, like, what sort of how are you going to try and defend someone that's that explosive and then to not to mention he's got Daniel Tupo yeah um, oh he didn't have Daniel Tupo he's got um, you know, Brett Morris yeah yeah um, so you just, you just, yeah. It'll, it's it, in all honesty, I, I think Joey Manu probably number one. Even yeah, BJ Lewis, yeah, BJ Lewis is going to have a field day. I, I'm, I'm excited for this change. Like, obviously the scrums, are, you know, there's no point of them anymore. Blah 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 blah. But this adds a nice little spin on it without taking too much away from the oh, game. 100, 100. Yeah. Uh, now another thing, um, I was taking notice of over the preseason of, you know, some of the middle forwards who look a lot lighter than they usually are. And I was thinking to myself, I wonder if there's any rule changes that would be sparking this, like, for instance, you know, less interchanges or something like that where they have to play more minutes. But I couldn't really figure out what was going on. Uh, And then I saw the other day that the NRL has appointed a wrestling coach full-time for the referees and the match review committee. Um, And from what I've heard of it so far, it's it's based off the Rabbitohs um, handing in a report, 21-page report, outlining all the instances of, you know, the, the wrestling had an effect on games, um, where they should have been penalised, where the match review committee could have come into play. And from what Todd Greenberg said, him and the referees earlier in the season were under the impression that, you know, all this work around the head or some of the wrestling tactics weren't completely intentional and they, wouldn't, they weren't able to see the difference between what was an intentional play within a tackle or what was accidental or what was a result of you know body positioning in the tackle um, so this coach's job is to teach the referees and to sit with the match review committee to make decisions now I think we're going to look at the Broncos obviously they've um, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute but the, the Broncos original 17 that they named uh, had me thinking about it as well because it was a bit strange they named a utility uh, a utility hooker in Andrew McCulloch on the bench as well as Jermaine Asako and they're only taking two forwards into the game which I thought was curious uh, obviously Jack Bird's injured now which is unfortunate but we'll see what they go where they go from, uh, from so they'll, here they'll, they'll, they'll just put Asako into fullback and then put Coates on the 14 yeah something like that so that, that's, that's what I want to see if, if they put another back in with where Asako would have been on the bench or if they put a forward in uh, it's going to paint a picture but basically what I'm thinking is They've all been told by... His name's Scott Barker. He's, he's um, the wrestling coach that's been appointed by the NRL. I think 
the teams, we're going to see a lot less wrestling around the play the ball and we're going to see faster play the balls. I think the Broncos especially are going to go for the speed game. They've got their halves being Milford, Brody Croft, um, Turpin and Jack Brett at the back, which now will be Jermaine Asako. Um, and then they're carrying, you know, two backs on the bench as well. It just seemed curious to me that they were going to be trying to do that. Um, you've got Tony Williams down in Manly. He's lost 15 kilos. James Roberts has lost seven kilos. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, even Cam Murray moving to the to the back row was or to the you know left edge was curious as well because of the good work he does in the middle. I think I think we're going to see a bit of a, a change in tactics this year, and it might be off the back of a bit of a relief from uh, the wrestling, from the teams that are nailing the wrestling. Um, and we might see some explosive footy through the centre. I think through the centre is where we're going to see um, this come into effect the most, and especially the fast blokes. Uh, and it m- might make sense as to why the forwards have lost a bit more weight than usual. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 see, it, it's sort of... Because I don't mind the wrestling, in all honesty. I think, I think it's an art teams can um, yeah. can use in their favour. And the, the only teams that are complaining about it are the teams that are shit at it. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like, you, don't, you don't hear Buddy Melbourne Storm complain about it because, you know, you've got Cam Smith, who, honestly, he's probably, like, not a lot of people see it, but he's probably the best wrestler. He just knows what levers to grab. He just knows how to get people on their back. And you watch him when he defends... Even when there's a big guy, he knows how to, he always he's always got a hand on the ball in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, um, I know that it's just. Uh, I think it, uh, I agree with you on the fact that the wrestling is is a very valuable skill in the NRL. Um, they're trying to make it a faster game, more entertaining, and they're trying to basically stop the dangerous positions players are getting into. E.g. backing into the line and, um, you know, getting into a crusher position. Like, See, they're, from that they're position. Un- those crusher positions, though, they're just unfortunate. You know, I've, I've been in a couple of games um, in the past year where, you know, you get someone that tries to hit and spin when they come into you, and you're sort of in a spot where you need to get them down and they're just backing into you, and they're making metres, and you sort of got, got to try and time where you're dropping them and then going on top of them, but sometimes the head just does get caught, and it's not yeah, intentional. definitely. It's not a real... I wouldn't even class it as a wrestling technique, in all honesty. You're just literally getting into the ground. Yeah, well, that, that's the point they're making, though, that after you get... when Once they're in that position, from that position there is where the wrestling comes into play, all the movements around the head, um, bringing it to the ground, like you said... Um, I don't think it's as much as you know the wrestling on the ground with the chicken wings and the levers and all that. It's it's all the stuff around the head, which is what the Rabbitohs outlined in their dossier, um, their report was they laid out over thirty examples from the past season where players should have been penalised or should have been penalised by the match review committee. I just hope that the obviously you know you can't allow things to be illegal within the games. I don't want to see fifteen twenty penalties a game like there was yeah. uh, a few seasons ago. If the match review committee can take advantage of um, of the new things that they're going to be being taught, um, and can we can leave the calls up to them after the fact, uh, you know, a few rounds in we might st- see a bit of a change. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the Broncos, for instance, naming two on the bench, could have been allowing for something like that. Um, now we'll move on from that. Jacko, you've got a few exciting oh, rookies yeah. you want to talk about. I was looking forward to this one actually. Yeah, so, talk us through it. So I more so noticed at the nines, um, a couple of the rookies we've still got, but I think even with the nines, you know, it does get a bit hard to try and judge talent, obviously, because it is nine aside, and I don't know if you remember, but um, we had 
Uh, Jai Field in the 2016 nines, I think it may have been, 2016. Yeah, it would have uh, been the last time, or 2017. Yeah, he absolutely brained it. I can't wait to see this kid get to the NRL. And we, he, I've only seen him a handful of times and he's come off the bench. He hasn't really done too, too much. But I think that um, I think players that I'm looking forward to seeing in particular, um, I, he, scored, he scored a very controversial uh, try in the nines. Uh, Cody Ramsey from the Dragons. So he played flag... Uh, Jesse Flegg, which is the 20s down there in Sydney yep. uh, for the Dragons. Um, I've, I'm not too sure if he's been named in the reserve grade. Um, I'm not quite sure on that one, but I do. I dare say we will see him in the team throughout the season. Although you and Aitken is still obviously uh, trying to find his way into the squad. Yep. Into the team. Sorry. Um, I think I think Jeff, uh, he, um, Cody Ramsey is going to be a bloody a good addition. Um, yeah, to the Dragons, obviously having that bit of flair. He, he seems to be a very, he seems to be very quick. I know Corey Norman and those boys are giving some raps um, on Isaac John's podcast. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be very exciting once he starts developing a little, a little bit more because he's obviously still, I think he's only nineteen still, so he's still yeah. a teenager. So yeah, um, looking forward to him for the sure. The second one I've got uh, from Melbourne Storm. He, he's probably the last name, probably a bit of rugby league royalty. Uh, Cooper Johns. Um, I watched him play cup. Uh, last year at Sunny Coast for about four or five games, and he um, he plays a very simple style of footy, but it's a very effective style. Uh, if, you, if the right systems are in place, he can really dominate. He plays a very similar. He doesn't. It's funny because he doesn't play anything like his, his dad or his uncle. He yeah. plays more like a. Um, who who can I compare him to? You couldn't even really compare him to because he sort of just he does he doesn't mind getting the, his his hands on the footy, but he also he knows when to take a backward seat. And he yeah. knows when it's time to play the one percent of plays, and he knows when it's time to put it in the corner and just defend your way out of it. Um, he doesn't try and rush his hand. He's not trying to fire all these arrows in the first five minutes. He's really patient, and I think that's and he and he's got really solid defense too. Yeah, um, I think he's I think he's a player that. When he comes in the first grade, I think we'll be there for a uh, for a long time without trying to put too many uh, wraps on him. And yeah. this third one, um, he's actually he's actually a mate of mine. Um, probably a bit biased in this one, but uh, Kyle O'Donnell uh, down at the Canberra Raiders. He's not a rookie. Uh, he played the nines. He um, he played a bit of cup um, when we were in high school. So 2017, he he made his cup debut. And he played about 10 games, and he was with the Titans at the time. And it really shocked me that. Um, we went into um, sorry he played Cup 2018 um, it really shocked me that he really didn't um, play too much more Cup in the 19 season um, but now in the 20 season I see he's been named back row uh, for the Mounties yep. I think he's definitely with John because he's a back rower I think John Bateman being out I know they've got Hornsborough in there I think if Coyne can start the season well in Cup I think he gives himself every opportunity to get into that uh, come off the bench role yeah. for yeah. Raiders. Um, well, I think he's because he's such a hard worker as well. He he's, doesn't have a body ounce of body fat on him. He's just he's just such a hard worker and he's a great kid as well. So he's probably uh, my, the person I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, um, as I said before, I may be a bit biased. Uh, no, well, I mean, hopefully he gets his shot. Uh, I think he should get a shot over the Origin period. Raiders will, should have a few representatives. Well, the thing is, with Raiders. That's why Raiders are such a successful team as well, but purely because. A lot of their like, see, that's why like I'll go into when I go into my top eight. Um, they don't, they don't get an origin hangover because they've got Jack Whiten, yeah, who'll be who'll one hundred percent be there. They got Papali, hundred percent be there. You know, Corey Horsberg, I think he might feature in the Queensland team, maybe in a squad or on the bench. Well, you see, even if it's just those three, you know, they they went to the grand final. So you look at Roosters, 
you know, they had Tedesco, they had Latrol have a little dabble in there, you know. Um, they had Cordner. Yeah, they had Cordner, the, the origin captain. You know, they had a, they had a lot of rep yeah. duty in yeah. there. Whereas Raiders have just got, you know, they, their back rowers are both pommies. They got the North yeah. Hodgson pommy. Yeah. You know, Chancing or Clockstack, you know, the Kiwis, you know. There's not too many players that are going to be affected by that origin period mm-hmm. and get there. So that's why they don't get much of an origin hangover. So Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully he does get a crack, though. Um, it'd be really nice to see him uh, get a run. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so, yeah, we'll look out for those three names there uh, that you've mentioned. Now, uh, just we'll wrap it up here. We're going to go through our top eight quickly. Um, and, uh, yeah, Jacko, if you want to go first. Yeah, actually, you go yours first. All right. I was watching you write this, and I, I was a bit... Genius on uh, some of your top eight. Yeah, so for me, there's a few teams that I had to sort of cross out here. I, I wrote some teams down that I, I now call you can like. See, you've got a lot crossed out. The the middle tier where they're kind of edging on the top eight or edging at the top of the bottom, as as we call it. Um, I'll go through my top eight and I'll explain it in a minute. Uh, so, Roosters, Cowboys, Melbourne Raiders, Rabbits. Broncos, Manly, and the Panthers. Now, notable one that I know Jacko's looking at is I've left off the Parramatta Eels. Uh, I've also left off the Newcastle Knights. Um, Newcastle Knights, I think they might... They're, they're my team. Hopefully, you know, they might push through, but I, I like the other teams more than them going into the season. Uh, and as for the Parramatta Eels, I'm, I'm sensing that, you know, if they don't fire and they don't fire early, that it could be... You know, they might have got ahead of... They're expected to do well this year. Last year, there was nothing expected of them. I hope that they don't get in the mentality that, okay, yeah, we're, this is going to come to us now because they're not a team that can afford to, to do that. Um, and a lot of teams are not going to be taking them lightly when they come and face them. Um, so I've put the Parramatta down the bottom of my top eight, uh, kind of on the outer edge. So I put a line through them just because I think that maybe... Their forward pack could be the the loose end um, when it comes to the firing end of the season. That's pretty spot on. I, I don't know. I, I, I've got a different take on it. See, I've gone, I've gone South Sydney uh, will be my minor premiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got Parramatta in second. I got third Raiders. I think Raiders are going to be in for a, a bit of that second year, not second year syndrome, so to speak, but second year hunger. I think they're going to be. I think the grand final really got to a couple of them. I've seen a couple of interviews yeah. with a few of the players, and that seems to have really stuck with them, as grand finals usually do. Uh, fourth, Roosters. I think Roosters will be there, but as I said to you just before, I, I can't see Roosters going all the way with their lack of experience in their seven. Okay. Um, I just don't. I reckon it'll take a, a few. I think it'll take a few rounds to get them to gel, and I think yep. by the time it gets to the, it's by the time round twenty five comes around, I think it'll be um, Rooster sitting at fourth. Okay. Fifth Storm, you, you, you're gonna have Storm thereabouts. You know, I, I only consider Storm doing better than fifth. Yeah. Um, they're they're always on the mark. You know, they're never too far off it. Um, I just think that the teams ahead of them will just have more energy come towards the end of the season because obviously you got Cam Smith who's getting on now and still a great a goat of the game. Um, yeah, I've got Manly at six. I think that okay. the combination of Walker and Cherry Evans is going to be a really um, good duo. You've got Tommy Turbo, one. You've got Jakey Chaboyevich, 13. You've got a real, like, it's a really, there's a nice culture going around Manly at the moment. Yep. Cowboys, number seven, as we touched before. Val Holmes, Michael Morgan, you know, Tal Malolo, you know, Cole Felt, a really underrated winger, a great yeah. finisher. Yep. I think that's going to be 
a good team, but I think they may struggle to find form uh, throughout the origin period because I feel like they're going to lose Holmes, Morgan. Um, they'll probably lose. They may lose Kyle Felt. Yeah. Uh, but with obviously Holmes going back, I feel like Holmes will take up that wing spot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Gavin Cooper will probably be in and around the origin scene potentially. He has been in the past couple of seasons. Um, and then I've got Broncos. Such a young team. Um, well, I think they just lacked it. They they lacked a. They lack a like a personality. They lack a, you know. When I think of the Broncos, I think of a very young team. I yeah. Don't, I don't see too many. Like you got Darius Boyd there, but you know, if, if you're if you're like a young like Dave Fafita or Payne Haas, and you're playing Origin, you're you're pretty much the one of the best. Payne Haas is probably the best front row in the game. Yeah. Dave Fafita, one of the best back rows in the game. Are you gonna are you gonna be taking? Obviously, Darius Boyd's been there, done that, but he's not he's not performing week in, week out like we know he can. He's, he's, his better, better days are well behind him. Mm-hmm. He's getting on. He, he's just dragging that contract that he signed you know, four years ago on a four-year deal. I don't think he's got too much to offer. I think he does in terms of coaching, but as a player, if, he can, if he's come up to David and Payne in the middle of the game, do you think they're going to be taking too much, paying too much attention to him? I personally don't. I think they're sort of going to go, well, I'm, I'm an origin player now. Yeah, I mean that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously, they're gonna—he's gonna be teaching them heaps throughout throughout the season and through training and all that sort of stuff. And he would have done. I, I think he's got plenty to do with, with like in a coaching perspective. I just think that as a player, like when there's a difference, there's a difference in sprays you can give to a player. So you can give a player um, a spray as a coach, and people will respect that as a coach because it's coming from a coach. Mm-hmm. But if you're a player on, a, if you're in a game and a player's giving you a spray, that player I feel like has got to have a certain level. Of skill or something that you that you really respect, and if you're not there, I feel like they a lot of them have fallen out with him in the respect terms of like you know, on his on field ability. I think they all really respect him as like a captain, as like a leader within the club, and what he's done. But I think a lot of them are falling out with his yeah. I mean, skill for, level. I I don't think so as much from what I've heard. Everything you hear from uh, from the Broncos is they're always supporting their their captain from last year, Darius Boyd. I think uh, he did get caught out at fullback last year a few times defensively. But if he's going to fit into the team, he's in the perfect position there at left centre um, where he found himself pretty comfortable, you know, the left wing in, in, with Queensland um, and giving Corey Oates that good ball off the back of Ben Hunt and Anthony Milford uh, through their glory days a few years ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, hopefully no lack of respect there um, from the other younger Broncos players. But, um, yeah, I think that's a good top eight there, Jacko. Yeah, we'll see. It'd be interesting to see. We'll, we'll come back on it um, towards the end of the season. We'll see how... Yeah, how we'll, have a, we'll have a look and uh, see how we went. It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing... Probably the team I'm looking forward to mostly seeing um, will be South Sydney. Yeah, true. Because they've just got... They've just got strike on strike. And honestly, like, if you're coming up against it, it's a, it's a really young... And, like, there's a lot of Indigenous boys in the back. And it's, it's like those boys can give you such a headache. You know, because they're so strong. Like, they, they just define... No, it defies science, you know. It's, it's, it shouldn't be that big and that strong and that quick. So I think they, they lost Greg Inglis and everyone was a bit down about that, but I think they gained Latrell, who's probably in all honesty a better option than Inglis at the moment. Obviously, he finished the year a bit, a bit bummed. Well, he didn't even finish the year. He got around, around six, he was gone. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he was at the back of his, of his career, but he, he's an immortal himself. So he's going to be teaching Latrell a lot. Um, well, my big prediction for 2020, we didn't have this down in, written in our... That's all right. In our order. Yeah. My prediction, my, one of my big predictions for 2020 is Latrell Mitchell finishes the year in centre. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can see that happening. Uh, it just depends what... Well, do, you, do, you how, when... can, do you think he can fit into the, the fullback role? I think if he's going to fit into a fullback role, he's in the perfect position. 
He's got Wayne Bennett and he's got yeah. Greg Inglis who he can model his... support network around him as well. Yeah, he can model his game off Greg Inglis. He's not going to be Brett Stewart or Billy Slater or even James Tedesco. Um, he's going to be himself and himself is pretty similar to how GI played the game. Uh, so if he's going to make it at fullback, he's in the right spot. Um, but I think, you know, if you want short-term success from him, you'd put him in that left centre straight away. But uh, good, if good you... longevity, you, you take him at one. Yeah, if it, well, if that's where he wants to play and you're going to get the best out of him, by the end of the season, you know, we could be talking about Latrell Mitchell as, uh, you know, one of the next great number ones. Uh, you don't know, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it's an interesting take, but, um, yeah, I, I could see him getting into the centre there. Uh, it just depends on how the season plays out and whether or not Wayne Bennett wants to persist with, uh, you know, that run. Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Um, thanks for coming on, Jacko. We'll, be, we'll wrap up the round one next week. And, um, and what, day are we trying to, what day are we trying to release these podcasts? Thursday? Thursday midday? Yeah, oh, around Thursday. We'll get it, well, we'll today, get it out Today's currently Thursday and it's 2.35, so we've missed our target week one. Uh, yeah. We'll try and improve for next week. Um, yeah, we're going to try and get them out Thursday around midday, try and record them on the Wednesday so we've got the team list with us. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, we'll get it out to you before the start of round one. We're going to start doing a few little tips for the weekend as well. So I'll give you my hot one for the game tonight. Um, the under over line is sitting at 39.5. Now, at Bankwest last year, at nighttime games played, uh, there wasn't a lot of wind that got through the stadium and it made for a real dewy surface. We've had a bit of a cold snap. Well, not a cold snap, but it's been cooler than it has been. Um, and I noticed last night at training there was a bit of dew. Um, the unders line hit the majority of the time last year at Bankwest at night games, so look for the unders line to hit tonight at $1.90. Um, well, we'll leave it there. Best of luck, um, Jacko, and we'll see you after the round. Too easy, mate. Her pistol go. I said her pistol go.